You are listening to a conservative review production. Trust, but verify. You're listening to The Conservative Conscience. In Washington, politicians are full of half-truths and hot air. The Conservative Conscience is here to help you cut through the rhetoric and noise and explore the politically right way to think about the issues. You'll dive into one of the most insightful conservative minds in America. Conservative Review's senior editor, Daniel Horowitz. And along with co-host Joe Koss, they break down the major issues in Washington. You are now entering The Conservative Conscience. Welcome back to The Conservative Conscience. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz. It is September 15th. We're towards the end of the week here. Gosh, this week cannot go by quickly enough. This month, this year can't go by quickly enough. Look, I want you guys to tell me, why should I keep doing this? On a personal level, tweet me at Conservative. send me a note. I'm curious what you guys think. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, this is a brutal time for all of us. I wish I could just wake up in 60 days and just, just, just be done with this. I never thought I'd live to see a day where we would have people who work in the same space as us not not just make different strategic choices, you know, that kind of disagree with elections, but literally change who they are on a dime. Their most deeply held convictions, in some cases they were arguing for 30, 40, 50 years, just to comport with the capricious nature of one man. I, I, I just, I don't understand it. So in this episode, I really want to broach the following issue, the intellectual dishonesty of the two-party system. Now, first, I'm just going to ask you guys a favor. I have coming out this Friday, Constitution Day. I'm recording late Thursday night, but some of you aren't going to hear this till Friday. So happy Constitution Day. This should really be at least the second greatest American holiday um, obviously, you got the Christian holidays, you got July 4th, but Constitution Day, instead of that ridiculous Labor Day we celebrate in September, um, th- this is where it all started. Please indulge me. I got a 3,700 word manifesto on our website. We're going to link to it in the show notes. I know you guys are busy, but it's, it's, a, it's a long weekend. Please dedicate some time to reading it, as well as my book, Stolen Sovereignty, is still available at Amazon. But if you don't have time to read that, well, this is a 3,700-word version. Just what is the Constitution? What was the system of governance that was established? Why it's so important? How it got hijacked? And as I note, it's the two-party system that has destroyed our system of governance. This phony binary choice that has sown intellectual dishonesty to a point where we don't have any system left. There's no standard left and what, what we could possibly do about it. That that's a, you know, the synopsis of it. I'm not going to just sit and and go over it kind of through an audio version here, but I do want to touch or piggyback off of some of the points and use Trump's social welfare plan that he announced this week as a springboard and, and as well as even more than the plan, but the reaction from so many people who call themselves conservatives. I want to use that as a springboard to explore how the intellectual dishonesty of the two party system is the biggest problem we face. You know, George Washington's farewell address is really one, uh, one of the greatest national treasures that, that we have. It's funny, he wasn't viewed as, as a very educated aristocratic guy like Madison and some of the others. 
um he was he was a, a layman it was it's a he was kind of you know people would view him as a blue collar dude and wow i mean just the brilliance the brilliance uh th- there's nobody like that who could write speak like that anymore and the final thing he warned about is actually two things one was the importance of religion and <clears throat> and he was considered one of the more secular founders uh but <laughs> the importance of religion but i want to focus on the other thing which was the warning he gave about the political party system factions parties will ultimately sow the seeds of dissolution of our union of our of our republic and that is exactly what is what has been happening the last number of years and decades and that is even more so what's happening now with conservatives and trump which is really a reflection of what all republicans have been doing with all republican leaders it's just more pronounced and it's coming from more disturbing people and corners this time um, but it's this is really the source of it. I'm just going to give you a quote here. Washington writes as follows. This spirit, unfortunately, is this spirit he's talking about, the factions party system, is inseparable from our nature, having its roots in the strongest passions of the human mind. It exists under different shapes in all governments, more or less stifled, controlled or repressed. But in those of popular form, meaning not a monarchy, but what they were trying to establish here in America, it is seen in its greatest rankness. Not rank as in, you know, your uh, status, but rank as in rotten and is truly their worst enemy. It's the worst enemy of a Republican system. He continues, the alternate alternate domination of one faction over faction over another sharpened by the spirit of revenge natural to party dissension, which in different ages and countries has perpetuated the most hard enormities, is itself a frightful despotism. But this leads at length to a more formal and permanent despotism. The disorders and miseries which result gradually incline the minds of men to seek security and repose in the absolute power of an individual, and sooner or later the chief of some prevailing faction." more able or more fortunate than his competitors turns this disposition to the purposes of his own elevation on the ruins of public public liberty. You really need to read this very slowly and almost study it. There's so much profundity in it. I really didn't do it justice, but I wanted to kind of speak it out. I could just end there. And I think that that kind of sums it up, but, but that's what we have now. I've been screaming about this for several weeks already. Where's the cognitive dissonance like Mark Levin? And I'm not saying I endorse this, but I'm just saying, all right, you vote for the guy. All right. You donate to him. You donate to a super PAC, donate a million dollars to a super PAC, go travel and go door knocking for him. Not that he has a ground game that he uh, has people to join, but create your own. Okay, fine. But for God's sake, don't become him. Don't change who you are. You could say, look, on Ned, it can't be as bad as Hillary, especially on the security leg. But boy, if he's elected, I'm really we're going to have to double down and make sure we tell him this is unacceptable. We got to get him get him right or hold him accountable on the other two legs of the stool, economic freedom and liberty and and, uh, the civil society, so-called social conservatism. Don't change who you are. But I couldn't believe it. The guy came out and it's not him. It's Ivanka. His daughter came out with Ivanka care. His left-wing daughter, who is a cultural and and uh, fiscal Marxist, came out with a plan to have government-sponsored maternity leave and childcare. 
payments. I have the details that conservative review the way it expands the earned income tax credit, which is nothing more than welfare. The notion that conservatives would say, hey, this is a great idea to pro-family, and uh, you know, after all, Hillary's is even worse, so Daniel, what are you going to do? You want to elect Hillary, huh? And you have Rush Limbaugh. And, and, and look, he's been doing this the whole cycle, but this particular issue is something this man, it embodies the, the principles, the rugged individualism, the dependency, the whole nature of how Democrat policies work and the failure of the GOP response to it. This embodies that, what he's been talking about for three decades, and he just threw it out the window and, and scoffs at people that take issue with it. And look, I, I've told you guys this a number of times. I don't define myself and my whole being by whether I'm for Trump or against Trump. We do our own thing here. Maybe one out of ten articles I put out are about Trump. This was one of them. Everything else is about all the issues nobody's talking about. And, you know, where are all these people? Oh, my gosh, we're losing our country. We need Trump. Where are they? All the issues. I mean, I'm not going to go over what we put on the last podcast. But but since then, we have a number of amazing articles, content, not just for me, other talented writers at Conservative Review um, that really cover the gambit of these issues that and, and the things we could do about it. If only people would. I mean, imagine if instead of cheering on his socialist Ivanka care plan, if they talked about the refugee increase that Obama just announced. Where is Trump demanding that Republicans defund this? I don't get it. Trump has this big megaphone. He puts out one tweet and that everyone's talking about it. So rather than us talking about this utter crap, this Marxist and cultural crap, why don't we talk about refugees, which he's supposedly good on? Talk about it. Let's unite. But no, we're all for socialism now. There's a number of points I want to make that, again, talk over the debate of this issue, but they're very important. It's, what, what, the problem with what Trump is doing, it's not just that it's a bad plan. A lot of people are saying, well, Hillary is even worse. They're missing the point. We've gone through three stages in the Republican Party since Reagan. And we're like the frog in boiling water, and we don't realize that the goalposts keep being moved. As late as 1988, Reagan was still arguing and litigating the case against the entire premise of the Great Society. He he still wanted to undo it. I'm going to link to this, but um, he he had a whole economic bill of rights he wanted to just completely undo this all constitutional amendments and everything. He, and he just said, look, you're going to have to do this after I'm gone. He expected us to build upon his success. Instead, what happened, we went backwards. And, and so we went from trying to uproot the welfare state to say, all right, we're not going to get rid of it. We're going to reform it. And that was kind of the rage in conservative uh, think tanky circles for a long time. We're going to, you know, that, that's what we're going to do. Okay. Then it went to, all right. Well, we're not really going to get rid of old programs, but the new stuff that they just enacted will reform. Won't get rid of it, but will reform. What Trump is doing is adding new stuff on top of the existing record high Obama era level baseline of the welfare state, which, by the way, is demonstratively bigger than what Reagan was railing against in 1988, it's, it's exponentially greater than, than what we were railing against in the 90s, the New Gingrich era. That is what he's accepted. He wrote in the plan, as well as he's said this on a number of occasions, that he will not get rid of a single program, a single agency, nothing. He'll just root out waste, fraud, and abuse, 
which, you know, the establishment's been, that's been their uh, escape hatch for years to talk about that. Not that you can't do it. Tom Coburn has a bill you could, you know, 15 billion worth you can get rid of tomorrow. He's not going to do that. But the point is, the problem is not just waste, fraud, and abuse. It's the whole rock gut dependency and the lack and, and the anti-growth that it creates. The the obviously empowering the government, taking away liberty. But that's the thing now. So we're now at the point where not only are we going to preserve everything since 1965, not only are we going to preserve everything from the Obama era, but we are now going to say anything the Democrats prospectively want to do. We're going to say, yeah, we'll do it, but maybe only 80 percent. Couple more market forces involved and maybe not quite as much. I mean, where does this end? The Democrats want guaranteed income. You know, so they're going to say every family needs a $50,000 check for just spending money. So let's say you have a Republican that comes along and says, well, you know, let's do 30000 and let's funnel it through the tax code with refundable tax credits. Well, you can say, oh, Daniel, what do you want? It's one or the other. This guy's not. The other side's worse. Do you want the other side? This is the security and refuge people have taken in this false binary choice of political parties where you lose your intellectual honesty. But I'm saying it's it's worse than ever because it's now not just a question of Republicans being recalcitrant and getting rid of the existing stuff or even reforming the existing stuff. It's they're now agreeing to whatever the Democrats want to do. And there's a number of points to make. So just to show a contrast to what I'm saying, there's one thing. Let's talk about Medicare, Medicare reform. Right now, Medicare is a fully Marxist single payer program that is just there's a lot of problems with it beyond the scope of this podcast. But yeah, you know, anyone who understands free markets, help the healthcare sector, understands the issues, um, the just inevitable inflationary problems with it when you have no market forces involved. So originally, the conservative plan was to reform it, converting it to vouchers. Then they went to this premium support kind of government regulated private system. Not so unsimilar from Obamacare. Then it went to premium support with a private option. It's known as the Wyden-Ryan plan after Paul Ryan and Senator Wyden from from Oregon. Anyway, so look, that's milquetoast kind of Republicans kind of negotiating with themselves, going back and forth from the baseline of what policy they want to do. But either way, it's a net benefit. It's moving in the right direction. You're taking an existing program that, if it's unchanged, is totally Marxist. And even the worst plan is marginally better, if not significantly better. What Trump is doing now is saying he's not going to get rid of anything. He made that very clear. He said, we're going to borrow. Fiscal conservatives is gone. He has collapsed that entire leg of the stool. Debt, dependency, government intervention, and it's also unconstitutional. I mean, to, to, to redistribute wealth, to use for something that's not an enumerated power, guarantee maternity and childcare. What, huh? But but again, we're told by these right wingers, the the new conservatives, the new uh, populist nationalists that uh, the Constitution sucks. So I guess we're, you know, it, it's funny. They've come full circle. They tell us the same things the establishment has been telling us. But th- this is what the Trump supporters are doing. They, they They're literally OK with this now. This is the problem. I want you guys to remember. You're going to hear a lot of debates on this, but this is a point no, nobody's mentioning. It's built on top of the existing baseline, which brings me to another point. He's never going to get rid of Obamacare. You know that. 
And my point is, this is worse than the establishment. His modus operandi is worse. The establishment is saying they were never serious about uh, getting rid of it. But they said, we're going to do this hatch burr plan. It's kind of a milquetoast reform of it. Trump's even worse. He's going to keep it and just institute Ivanka care on top of Obamacare. Not just replace Obamacare with Ivanka care. You'll have Obamacare and you'll probably have a single payer option. That's that, that will be his fix. That's his M.O. More, more, more. Because he because he doesn't know how to engage in rhetorical jujitsu against the Democrats and pin the tail on the donkey and blame the problems with inflationary costs and the trouble with the cost of living on their policies because he doesn't really believe in it. So therefore, yes, yeah, you're right. I agree to it. All right, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it better. And this was what the whole Tea Party was born out of. It was the recognition that that we we always lose republicans it, it's this ratchet this socialist ratchet i spoke about so many times that margaret thatcher referred to that when democrats are in power they move and move and move and turn the screws when republicans are in power they never move it back at best could keep it the same but like a ratchet really only moves in one direction maybe a little slower but what happened was as bad as that was it got worse when obama just tilted the axis so far you should look at the cost and enrollment in these programs we were screaming in the 80s and 90s about them. Now we would pine to go back to that era. L- let me just give you just just a just a some sort of measure. The earned income tax credit cost about eight billion dollars in the mid 90s, and now costs 68 billion dollars. 28 billion people and million people enrolled on it. Every program is like that. Medicaid, food stamps. It's it's, it's unreal. It is simply and just the number of programs. And Trump said not getting rid of a single one and adding this. But the Tea Party recognized that, look, it's not just enough to say we're not going to add new ones, which Republicans never do, or even reform the existing ones, which they never do. But at least they talked about. We downright have to erase the entire Obama baseline. And that includes Obamacare. No, we are getting rid of this. Trump is violating every bit of, of, of what so many of the people that are latched onto Trump or part of the Tea Party stood for. I, I can't understand it. Another point to be made about this. Another point. And that's Ivanka. Where is this coming from? Ivanka is closer to this man than anyone else. Anyone else. I hear a lot of people tell me Daniel personnel is policy and some good people around him. You think they're closer to him than Ivanka is? She wrote the Wall Street Journal op-ed. She's been campaigning all over the stump on this issue. Trump said, she said, Daddy, you got to give this to me. I gave it to her. What else is he going to give to her? Another point. This is not just knocking out fiscal conservatism. This is knocking out family values. And and again, you don't have to be a flaming social conservative, conservative. This is natural law and civilization. And this is something, again, no one else is making this point. And it really, it's something you guys need to hear. <clears throat> Scandalously, a number of pseudo conservatives are saying this is a very pro-family plan. You know, fostering, you know, the child care and the maternity giving birth. First of all, this notion of helping working mothers—that's an Ivanka left-wing thing. Let me make it very clear. Um, especially nowadays with the tough, the the, the crazy cost of living. A lot of women have to work, and some, even if they don't have to, they're going to choose to it. That that's their choice. I don't. Cast, cast aspersions on that. But since when as conservatives did we champion that? Like glorify it, c- cater to it, codify it, legitimize it, like make it that that's that's the end all. That that that's the, that's the desideratum that that we should strive for. So that that's just one 
kind of minor pet peeve of mine. But anyway, I digress. This plan, make sure, it didn't have to even talk about this, but gratuitously throws in there. And don't worry, this will apply, the child care welfare program will apply to same-sex couples. So, again, this is not just the recognition of, of a gay marriage, which is bad enough. You'll say, well, maybe that ship sailed. We are now codifying, legitimizing, expanding upon this decivilization agenda that we're recognizing them as equal partners and families. I always found this to be the sickest thing. To take a child that's either just born or young, a baby, and forcing him to have two mothers or fathers, Adam and Steve, Marla and Marlene, of no choice of his own. Of no fault of his own. You know, the liberals always say, oh, the legal immigrant children of no fault of their own. You know, sticking a child into that. I mean, again, even if you're not religious, you don't have religious problems with it, and you're not bothered by it, whatever. But you can't deny that it's not an equal playing field, that it is something very revolutionary, that even if you're going to give a marriage license for it, to take a child... And put them, I mean, by default, at least offer them a choice when they get older. But until then, by default, give them the nuclear family. For goodness sakes. This is what, uh, conservatives are okay with this now? But again, we know Trump is totally bought into the homosexual agenda. Every bit of it, transgender agenda. He's never even pandered on that. So that always makes an appearance in every policy. This is LGBTQFU compliant. So two legs of the stool are out. I, I just don't understand this. You know, people, th- there's this whole theory out there. Conservatism and constitutionalism hasn't worked. The society has changed. We're going to lose. We need something new. Well, first off, there's nothing new about this. This is the same warmed over crap. I mean, it's Bernie Sanders' plan. So I'm not, I'm not I mean, with, with a couple of cherries on top of the excrement, I'm, I'm not really sure um, what's new about being a liberal. <laughs> there, there's nothing new and fresh about it, like Ivanka said, and some of the cheerleaders with the pom-poms are saying. But this notion that conservatism failed is unbelievable. Look, I'll be the first to tell you this is, we've lost the society. A big part of it is the failure of the Republican Party. But there's no clamoring for this plan. Maternity leave and, and, and child leave. No one's talking about that. That's not the rage in the country now. You win on you talk about the refugees. You talk about the security, which Trump was talking about until now. Stick to that. There's no electoral imperative for this. Again, there's one thing, Social Security, Medicare, it's already there, even other, even Head Start, things that conservatives we don't really like, but it's hard to get rid of them. It's even hard to reform them, maybe. I, I get it. I get the politics. But but to, to any anything new the Democrats propose, we now say, oh, this is where it is. We have to do it. It's not true. The only the, This is what's so frustrating. We're caught between... The failed conservative establishment, Republican establishment, and this thumb-sucking, crazy, alt-right, new-age Trump supporters. And again, I'm not talking about the people that are just strategically voting for him or like a couple things about him, but the people that have bought into even the liberal things he says. That's just to be very clear. That's what I'm talking about here. So they say, look at conservatism. It's failed. Now, I agree with where they're coming from. And, and, And as you know, I'm not a part of that. I mean, this is why I keep saying what we're doing is not working. What we're, and, and I challenge anyone to offer more ideas, more information than, than, than we put out here at Conservative Review. None of these guys have. But anyway, the point here is 
conservatives, conservatism never got on the playing field. The few times it did, we actually succeeded with Reagan and in the mid-90s. Look at the fiscal stuff. Look at the debt. Look at, I mean, it wasn't, I'm saying it was hunky-dory, but um, they actually stood for something. They were very aggressive. The Republican House back then, certainly as compared to now, it accomplished something. We've been failing for two decades, but we've been failing because of the same policies Trump is now proposing. There's nothing new about it. Oh, this is failing, so we now have to go for this nonsense. No. I'm going to have more on this in the coming days. We're, we're kind of running out of time here. But um, this is the problem, to come back to our thesis here. Everything is thrown out. There's no intellectual honesty. You, you have to be a part of something. And whatever that is, you've got to conform to it. Now, unfortunately, you see, Democrats check their intellectual honesty at the door to comport with their ideology. And at least they advance it. Now, unfortunately, they, they choose the wrong and illegal unconstitutional avenues for it. But at least there's one level of intellectual dishonesty, not two. The problem is the Republican Party, they check their intellectual dishonesty honesty at the door to comport with their falsely perceived electoral viability, which ironically comes full circle and means agreeing to the Democrat values, albeit with a little less enthusiasm. That's what we have here. Whatever the Republican nominee is, you got to become. Whatever the Republican Party becomes, you have to become. This is not going to change until we break out of this false choice, guys. It just, it just, it's not going to work. I mean, we literally have Rush Limbaugh just promoting this stuff. I, I, now he has this little clever thing. Oh, I'm, I'm not agreeing. I'm just, I'm just explaining how it happens. One, one, one side point I want to address with him. One argument he said, well, you know what? We've just been giving all these handouts to illegals anyway, so why not give them to Americans? What type of stupid thing is that? What, so one one socialist policy, so th- therefore we should agree to another? And it's not our fault. And by the way, I have done more for the immigration cause just in this week, the stuff I put out and warned about, than Rush Limbaugh in his entire career. And by the way, you know, all of a sudden he becomes such a zealot on this. I remember... I'm old enough to remember in in the winter and spring of 2013 with the Gang of Eight, we were begging, "Where is Limbo? We need we need air cover." We were warning the Gang of Eight is coming. They're pushing this. We we were fighting a lonesome fight. And I remember some of these websites that are now all into this alt right and nationalism. They were they actually had all these theories about Rush being bought out by that. So I'm just I'm just throwing that out there. But all of a sudden, he's so conservative on immigration. Well, because we were bad on immigration, therefore we have to be bad on everything else. How about you be good on everything? How about you be consistent for once in your life? You know, it's funny. If he took the energy he displayed this week and expended in promoting Marxism and everything that he railed against for three decades, if he instead used that for my article, like if he would have brought up the fact that Obama has a net increase, is proposing a net increase to coincide with the new fiscal year on October 1st and Republicans have a budget deadline and they could totally defund it, create a national firestorm. And again, it coincides with at least what Trump is saying on paper on that issue. So you're not, God forbid, crossing the the, 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 the anointed one, the Messiah, and you're uniting conservatives and you, you know, do a good, you promote a good cause. But no, you need to be validated. You need to, as George Washington said, You need to seek security and repose in this prevailing faction. And then you have to validate it. 
and you have to make sure everyone else sees the validation. Again, we're out of time. Happy Constitution Day. Don't let anyone take our Constitution. This is our this is our sacred document. This is our social contract. It's a contract. You can't breach it. But this is not something we're gonna we're gonna change. This is not something we're gonna frit away um, with this. You know the capricious nature of some of these these factions and new causes. I'm just gonna read to you and close with this. The closing paragraph of my uh, Constitution Day Day post. For far too long, we have tolerated, legitimized, and codified the civil disobedience of the other side. What we need now in response is not the pursuit of the same failed tactics and strategies, which have led a significant portion of our movement to seek new and foreign principles. Rather, we need new and innovative strategies to restore the timeless principles set forth by our founders. As Justice Joseph Story once said, our constitutional principles are to speak in the same voice now and forever. They are, they are of no man's private interpretation. They are ordained by the will of the people and can only be changed by the sovereign command of the people. God bless y'all. Keep your chin up. Help me keep my chin up. And until next time, this has been another episode of The Conservative Conscience. Conscience.